0: This is Downtown, the podcast. I thought a dramatic intro would be nice. Let's say it's the best we got. It's a low-budget operation here. Welcome in to the 73rd Downtown podcast. Rich Kimball and Carrie Haskell from the Zone Radio Studios in Bangor, Maine. The home of our daily show, Downtown, which airs Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. on Zone Radio, streaming audio at our website, downtownwithrichkimball.com. We are brought to you every week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Interesting conversations with people you know. That's what we sort of specialize in here on the podcast. And a couple of good ones this week, including a guy who's done a lot through his career, from a game show host to Food Network host and producer and stand-up comedian. You name it, he's done it through the years. Uh, talking about Mark Summers, who joins us in the second half of the program, to uh, talk about Double Dare, the national tour, uh, gearing up and will make its way to Maine in December. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But first, a guy who hit it big back in the 1970s as part of the cast of the uh, smash hit Happy Days. Donnie Most, of course, played the part of Ralph Mouth, one of Richie Cunningham's good buds. He stayed with the show for all 11 seasons and in the time since then has been very busy as both uh, an actor and director and has also uh, put a great deal of effort and time into his music career as well. Very interesting conversation with actor, director, and singer Don Most. I want to cut to the really important stuff first. Uh, Two, three weeks ago, Anson Williams was on the show, and he told us you were by far the best player on the Happy Days softball team. Oh, that's nice
1: of Anson. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I definitely, I would say I was, um, up there at the top. Um, I grew up, you know, when I, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and, uh, I was a huge baseball fan and I grew up in the era of Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris. And, um, so, you know, my first, uh, passion and, and dream was to be a baseball player. So I played a lot, you know, I, I, I loved the game. I played uh, a, a good amount and, um, I was pretty good. So, uh, and we had a good team, but, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was great, great memories. And, um, it, it, you know, it was the kind of thing where Ron played a lot of ball. And so, um, you know, we kind of got it moving the whole thing. And Gary Marshall was the one who, who really wanted to uh, put that together. And then he put, set up a softball team for us that traveled around, you know, the country and, and played in some of the major league stadiums before games. So, um, those were memories I'll never forget.
0: We've talked to, to Anson. We talked to Henry Winkler about this. Uh, Gary Marshall uh, sounds like such an incredible guy who really was uh, essentially running a college for uh, you young actors, teaching you not just about acting but a lot about the ways of the world.
1: Yeah, Gary was amazing. Um, you know, when when I first met him, uh, he he had he was the exec producer and. Uh, the creator of the TV odd couple show with Jack Klugman and Tony Randall. He had that on the air and I remembered him as that. He was one of the writers on the old Dick Van Dyke show. Um, And then Jerry Paris Mm. who directed most of the Dick Van Dyke shows became our director who was another, you know, between the two of them, between having Jerry and Gary as our, you know, as our sort of mentors and, and leaders uh, was a tremendous opportunity and and uh, privilege and it, gary you know he he did teach us a lot and you know you we learned a great deal during those years and um and jerry as well uh so we owe a lot to those guys we really do
0: is it true that you got the part of ralph <laughs> on just the third audition you went on
1: no no i, I think that got mixed up with something else ah. um no i i i i was pursuing you know the whole singing actually it was singing first but i was uh going to a studio of class in in manhattan i'd take the subway from brooklyn in and i was 13 years old i'd go in for my classes and i and then um then i shifted more of my focus into acting when i was about 16 and then i started getting you know a lot of uh, i i did a lot of tv commercials and some a little bit of TV that was it wasn't as much being shot in New York then, um, and then I came out to LA and I landed a few guest roles, so, um, but then, maybe what they meant was my third TV show, uh, but probably what you read was um, I had three auditions for Happy Days.
0: Okay. So okay.
1: so I went in I went in and met with the producers, you know, and we talked. So that was my first interview. Then I had to go in again and read, uh, for Gary. Gary and about uh I don't know 10 other people in the room you know from the network and, and Paramount executives then they called me back a third time for a screen test and that's that's how that happened so that's probably where the the number 3 got in there I would guess
0: I'm sure it, obviously it's a huge professional commitment too to be in a series that's successful and is on the air year after year and, and certainly when you do a show like that early in your career it sticks with you, and every airport you go through, there's probably somebody who says, Hey, Ralph, how are you? But, but what are the benefits uh, to you of being in a show that is so beloved, that's such a part of the landscape of American popular culture?
1: Yeah, well, that's a good question. You know, I think um, Antonin and myself and every, everybody connected with it, um, I think we appreciate it more and more uh, now, than more so than when we were younger, you know, it was all happening so quickly, and we were pretty young. I was twenty when I started the show, so you know, it's it's like a whirlwind, and you're 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 thrust into the twilight zone. It felt like to me. You know, as I always say, so it's hard to comprehend what's going on, mm. more or less appreciate it. You know, it's really hard, but um, but now I, you know, you talk about the benefits. I've I, it's I, I really embrace it and and appreciate. When I travel around, you know the warmth and the affection that people have for that show and for our characters, and 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 emotional, emotionally how it affects them. Because it meant so much to them, um, being in their living rooms, and maybe a lot of people talk about how it got them through hard times and this and that. And so it's really it's it's so gratifying to to hear that. And the benefits, um, you know, for a while it was a mixed a mixed kind of a. Uh, blessing because with the success you got so associated with that character and because we were so big and and it was a very specific kind of sitcom or genre that it was hard you know i set out to do more dramatic work than than comedic and i just learned the part that i got known for was comedic but then it became very hard for me to do the kinds of roles that i always that i had been doing and then i wanted to continue um but it's getting so much better Um, more recently, I guess, because of the time that has passed. And certainly I'm not a teenager anymore. And and with the age and everything, that have changed. So, you know, I've been doing a lot of different roles, which I love, all different kinds of roles. I just did a film uh, in Michigan, um, and I did one a year ago with the same company. It's coming out in November in theaters nationally. And it's a very different role. It's a pretty powerful, dramatic role, a movie called MBF. A.K.A. Man's Best Friend, and then I just did another one with the same company called Lost Heart. Another really great script. So and and I'm getting ready to do the play um, Art.
0: Yes, and I, I cool, wanted to mention cool that. Play. I I saw that on social media. Yeah. Man, that is that is such a wonderful show. For anybody who doesn't know and isn't familiar with the play, can you talk a little bit about the the subject matter, what that's yeah. all about?
1: Yeah, and, and just to preface it, it, it won the Tony. Uh, when it was uh, on Broadway in '98, '99, and um, as best play, um, and it's, so it's a fantastic piece. It's three guys who have been friends for about 15 years. Uh, they're little, you know, different jobs, different sort of personalities, but they're but they're friends. They get, you know, it's worked. But my character, Serge, uh, he, he goes and buys this painting, a very modern painting, and it's sort of. It's unra- it starts to unravel everything in their friendship because they can't believe, because he spent a lot of money. And, you know, it's like this, it's, it's a moderate, I, I don't want to say too much, but
0: right. <laughs> his friend is a ga-
1: is aghast. He's devastated that his friend would have spent $200,000 on this particular painting. And it just leads into all kinds of layers and, and um, you know, different aspects of their, friendship and and so it's beautifully written and and it's sort of a tour de force kind of piece for actors you know because um it's it's just this verbal this verbal um you know onslaught back and forth between all of them so i'm really looking forward to it i'm doing it up in uh, ontario canada and uh so and i i also done another play called middletown not too long ago with um with Cindy Williams, as oh, wow. a matter of fact, and Didi Kahn and Adrian Zimed. So, uh, you know, the acting thing is, is, is picking up uh, the way I love it and I want to continue it. And I've also been doing uh, the singing, which was I alluded to earlier, my first love. I was actually singing in a nightclub act in the Catskill Mountains of state New York when I was 14, 15 years old. So um, that was I call my first love and i've and i've reintroduced that into the career and you know i love all the great jazz standards and the american songbook and and um blues and all that and this i do been doing it in clubs and theaters around the country and uh have a cd out called d most mostly swinging so so that's a whole other aspect which i'm loving
0: we're talking with don most here on downtown you've also directed Three feature films uh, through the years including and this must have been a, a really interesting experience for you you directed Ron Howard's dad Rance in the film Harley's yeah. Hill
1: yeah yeah that was a that was a great uh, treat for me um yeah the first film I did was a movie called The Last Best Sunday back in 99 uh, A very dramatic film mainly two characters um and very well received uh, you could it's actually now uh, been re-sort of distributed. It's out on Amazon and, you know, and I think a few of the other uh, outlets. Um, and then I did a movie about five years later called Moolah, which was a more comedy drama, and I uh, had some great people in that. Uh, uh, Treat Williams was uh, had a nice role in it, and then um, William Mayposter and a lot of really good people. Um, and that's more of a like I said, a comedy, but it gets very, it kind of gets dramatic and very heartfelt. It, it's a real feel-good movie, and that's also available on on most of those outlets now. And then the one you mentioned, um, I did a, fu- a, a third film I did was a family film, you know, uh, a really sweet film. A friend of mine asked me, uh, she has a company and asked me to do it, and I like the script. You know, it was a young girl on a ranch and and a wild horse you know one of those kind of films but it was really nicely written and there was a part uh for the guy who was sort of in on the ranch who was like the cook you know and but more than a cook almost like the uncle almost like an uncle charlie you know <laughs> and um and so we so i can't remember how it came up but rance's name came up and i went oh my god that would, that would be awesome like hope he'll be available and hope he'd want to do it and, you know, Rance and I had known each other a long time, obviously from uh, the start of Happy Days, and 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 he he was always we, we we got along great. He was a fantastic guy, and um and he had a lot of respect for me and was a fan kind of, and so um he he agreed to do it, and it was uh, it was what a what an experience it, it was for me to get to to direct him, and it was tough because we had to shoot very fast. It was low budget and uh, we had to shoot very quickly, but he was, uh, what a trooper he was, you know, hanging in and doing uh, the ultimate professional.
0: You also had a, um, yeah, that was, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you also had a terrific run, a memorable one as Rusty Pillsbury on Glee. What was that experience like for you?
1: Yeah, that was really great. Um, Yeah, I I got to play a recurring role on that as the father to, uh, to Emma, the character Emma, uh, uh, played by Jayma Mays and um and the you know it reminded me some a little bit of happy days in the way that they had you know their crew and the cast how well they all worked together how what a great oiled machine it was you know and um you, you just feel it you know the the level of professionalism and talent and um it, I just really enjoyed the experience, and it, it it reminded me of happy days when we got to that place when you know we were so well well oiled, so to speak. Um, and and all the, the people there, everyone in the cast was that I got to meet were, were so welcoming and really terrific.
0: You did a couple of episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Is that the kind of thing where once you're in that sci-fi family, do you keep getting invited to Comic Cons for the rest of your life? <laughs>
1: Uh, well, I have got invited to a couple of the Star Trek conventions in Vegas, the yearly one, which was fun, and um, and and a few others, a few others as a result of that. Not not you know an inordinate amount, but um, a few. And and I, I don't go to a lot of them, but once in a while, uh, it's it's really um, nice to get out there and and meet everybody and 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 take in that whole experience because it is something. <laughs>
0: it's fun. Well, the website is DonnieMost.com. If you get a chance to see Don singing his music uh, with a, a great orchestra, it's wonderful stuff, the music of people like Sinatra, Bobby Darin, Dean Martin. Uh, we've enjoyed your work for a long, long time, Don. So great to talk with you. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. We wish you continued good luck and success.
1: Uh, I appreciate that so much, Rich.
0: It's Don Most here on Downtown, the podcast. When we come back, we'll talk with Mr. Double Dare himself. Mark Summers, next. Since its founding in
2: 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With a network of
1: offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We're proud to be the official insurance broker of the New
2: England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength.
0: Back on Downtown, the podcast. And if you're of a certain age, and it covers a lot of certain ages, you no doubt recognize that as the theme from Double Dare. Our next guest was the host of that show and is touring the country with Double Dare Live. He's been a food network host and producer as well, a stand up comedian. He's done a lot during his career, and uh, Mark Summers joined us recently with our friend Danny Cashman of The Night Show here in Maine to talk about the tour of Double Deer Live and more. Mark, thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, thank you for asking me. You know, none of
2: this would have happened without Danny Cashman. He's, no, he's the glue uh, in Maine for whatever I do here. I, You know, I'm the only human in the world who comes here... Often from California. I mean, I couldn't come from (laughs) a further spot, but I'm here all the time because of this man, actually.
0: Yeah, how did that happen? How did you guys form this uh, relationship? Dan, you tell the story.
3: I stalked Mark Summers. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) Beginning and the end of the story right there. How old were you when you first contacted me? I contacted you when we were doing the second version of the night show, so that would have been, uh, I was 23. So uh was the internet around then? I forget. <laughs> it was sort of around. Yeah, I think that's how I found I'm you. Old. I think it was because the internet started, and I said, Hey, Google Mark Summers, and there you were. And there was. And you contacted me and I I think I called you, didn't I? Yeah, you did. And we got together in Boston and uh you uh we had a drink and we talked about game shows and the night show and your career, and it was wonderful. My wife and I and it was just, it was such a nice conversation. And then I think, I'm, I, I hope we've been friends ever since. How old are you now? I am now 41. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Almost half a lifetime ago. Wow. You know, yep. so, and, and I find it interesting because you can get
2: in touch with almost anybody because of the lovely WWW World Wide Web thing. <laughs> and uh, and because of the direct message, instant message, uh, Facebook, uh, you name it, Twitter, people find me and <laughs> certain people sort of, you know, tweak your interest. And there was just something about, you know, this young broadcaster who uh, wanted to talk showbiz. And and I always want to talk showbiz. And and it was just delightful. And here we are. It's going to be almost 20 years,
0: man. Yeah, almost 20 years. That's cool. Well, well, that's one example. Are you surprised to find out that this show meant so much to so many people? I didn't realize it until the last few years. We started the show October 6,
2: 1986. Uh, In Philadelphia, of course, went uh, worldwide after that and across the country anyway. And um, I was just a guy who was 34 years old and trying to get a job. So we were out there playing game shows, but I didn't know the impact it had on a particular generation. And when it got brought back uh, last year and we toured it, my head exploded because everybody had a, a, a story, a memory, uh, a birthday party, something that this show touched in their life. And uh, it's kind of touching to me because we do these meet and greets. And and I just didn't get it. And now I'm, I, I'm actually at 67 and a half. I finally do.
0: Well, and now a whole new generation gets to see the show. My son and I enjoyed it during Spongebob week, Oh the second season of
2: the (laughs) reboot. How was that? That was cool, yeah. We did 40 season one, and then we did a bunch of specials. We did a uh, WWE week. We did a Spongebob week. Uh, Coming up soon is a Halloween week, and then we did a a Christmas week as well. Uh, But the cool part is we are coming here to Bangor, Maine. And uh, because my phone is so slow and it's not working, I'm going to actually uh, pull, here we go, uh, December 8th, 3 o'clock, Cross Insurance Center, uh, and uh, you can buy tickets and be there. We do a lot of audience participation where uh, the first half, because this generation to grow up with it really wants to play more than the generation that's even watching it now, we have... Uh, Adults against the kids, the whole first half, where we do physical challenges. And we bring up the adults, and we bring up the kids, and we do them. And often in some cities, the kids win everything. But in other cities, the adults win everything. And sometimes it's sort of split down the middle. But it's so much fun. And then um, there was another show I did called What Would You Do, Mm -hmm. where we played a little thing called Musical Pies. And for some reason, this part of the show... Just makes everybody giddy. And we bring eight or ten people up and we play musical pies. And then we pick uh, four families out of the audience. We select two to play. We actually play Double Dare. We do an uh, obstacle course where we give away, uh, if you uh, get all eight obstacles in 60 seconds or less, you win 1000 bucks right there. And so there are not many shows where moms and dads and kids can play together. And that's why I'm so thrilled to be doing this. You had a great mentor, too. What did you learn from Soupy Sales? Soupy! Soupy was the guy that I grew up watching. My mom was from Toledo, Ohio, and Soupy was doing a show uh, in Detroit. So I'd get up every morning and have breakfast with Soupy. And then he did lunch with Soupy. And then in 1976, I became a regular at the comedy store. Most people don't know that my career started uh, doing stand-up comedy. And I started with Dave Letterman and Robin Williams and Jay Leno and Gary Shandling. We all started together. And uh, Soupy was playing the main room. And I went back there and knocked on the door, shaking in my, you know, boots because there was no World Wide Web, but I just figured I'll try it. And we became very good friends. What he didn't know was when I was going to school in Boston back in 71, 72, I lied to him and told him that I was doing a documentary on what makes people laugh. And I I got him in the Sheraton Hotel room for about three hours, and I still have that recording, and I handed him a DVD of that, you know, recording that we did back in the day. And then we became fast friends and I was at his house and we would go to lunch at the Friars Club and I was always pinching myself saying, I can't believe I'm sitting here. The guy that I uh, looked up to is is now my friend.
0: Uh, you also, you mentioned the stand-up career. You also and still are a magician as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, magic kind of got me from point A to point B. Uh, I put myself through college
2: uh, doing magic. Then I became a regular at the Magic Castle when I first uh, moved out there. And uh, there's so many people in the industry, from Johnny Carson to Steve Martin uh, and many in between, who started their careers as a magician. And when you're growing up in Indiana, show business is so far away, I figured, well, heck, if Johnny did magic, if I did magic,
0: maybe I could get into show business, too. And that's what it worked out to be. And we've got a friend uh, from around here who uh, used to perform out the Magic Castle. Really? Dean Stern. I don't know if you know Dean. Don't know the name, but yeah. uh, that's pretty cool. And we've had Jeff Altman on the show oh, a bunch of times. Have you really? Yeah. Jeff is a brilliant
2: magician. Yes. He uh, does great close-up. His card uh, stuff is great. And, uh, yeah, he was at the store at the same time. I haven't seen him in a while. I used to produce a show called ultimate revenge uh, ryan seacrest was by house you may have heard of him and uh and we used to have jeff on do bits uh, with people he's he's one of the funniest guys out there
0: mark summers in studio with us along with danny cashman double dare live coming to the cross center on december 8th then there's that whole other career of yours and uh, one of my all-time favorite shows on food network is unwrapped yeah. I, I can't get enough of that show
2: one of the longest running shows on the channel uh, and I backed into that in a weird way I was actually trying to produce a show for a chef and the executive who was in the room kept saying well why don't you do something for us and I thought well I'm not a chef and I barely cook well, what would I possibly do and the first show we did was called It's a Surprise. It was surprise parties that we threw. The big surprise, nobody was watching. And uh, and so that got canceled. And then they threw this unwrap thing at me, and I said, sure, let's do it. I said, at the time, um, Biography was the number one show on A&E, if you remember. And I said, I think Unwrapped can be for Food Network what Biography is for A&E. And that's what it became for many years. Uh, Emerald and I used to go back and forth as to who was number one that week. And, uh, and you know, so that turned into something crazy. And now, um, you know, I, I produced a bunch of stuff uh, for food, uh, Dinner Impossible, Restaurant mm. Impossible, and uh, I have a new series that's coming out in uh, November on Discovery called The Last Unknown um, with my partner Ian Shive. We're going to islands that the United States owns out in the Pacific that nobody's allowed to go to. There are no humans there. It's birds and, and other uh, animals and plants and animals. Uh, And we're sort of showing nature uh, crossing with history, and that uh, begins the end of November. So my career has been sort of a checkerboard of really, you know, nothing matches, but it all seems to work.
0: Well, I'm a history teacher in my day job, so I loved History IQ. Oh, my, you actually know that (laughs) You're the one who watched that, huh? (laughs) It was supposed to be the hardest
2: game show in the history of TV, and it was so hard nobody could answer any questions. (laughs) But we did two seasons of that somehow, and, uh, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun.
0: And you never know who's watching along the way. It can be little kids. It could be Lynn manuel Miranda. It could be the first lady of the United States.
2: It's so weird. Uh, I was I was at uh, uh, Hamilton, and a few minutes before the show, somebody tapped me on the back and said, uh, uh, Lynn manuel Miranda heard you were in the uh, theater tonight. Would you mind meeting him after the show? <laughs> Would I mind meeting him? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Uh, and all I wanted to do was talk about, uh, you know, the show Hamilton, and all I wanted to do was talk about Unwrapped. It was pretty funny, but that was a, a lovely moment. And uh, you never know, you know, Neil Patrick Harris and uh, people who, you know, were weaned a la Mr. Cashman here <laughs> on the silly shows uh, that I did. And, you know, the influence that you have on people, you know, Dan's uh, big influence, I think, would be David Letterman. And I, if you watch his show, and I'm sure people do, because you've been doing it how many years now? Uh, nine years, most recently. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you watch Johnny Carson, you know, he had bits of Jonathan Winters and bits of Jack Betty in him. And
3: uh, a lot of people influenced me. And, and other than Dave, who else would be... Uh well, you and Johnny Carson—they were the big really? three. They were the three. Uh, you, I, it's, do I say they? What's proper English? Here? They, <laughs> I you. don't know. don't ask the history teacher. The games I, or guy. Get, get us an English teacher in here. <laughs> them, um, them people. That's them why. Pe- <laughs> <them> people. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, uh, you and Johnny Carson and David Letterman were the three that I grew up watching. And at some point in that triangle of viewership, I said I want to do something on television when I grow up. And it was really in that. 86 to 89 timeframe that Mm. I discovered all three of those shows. And it just sort of Consume my life to be able to try and do something uh, in broadcasting or television. And I've seen this show grow up because the first time I came here to do it, we were in the back of a bookstore or something.
2: It was right? an antique shop. Is yes. that what it was? <laughs> yeah. And you know, and and the last two times I did, you know, here you are in this great facility uh, that uh, looks like a Letterman Studio practically, and you got the, the band is amazing and your sidekick is good and and uh, I've t- we actually tried to syndicate this thing. I wanted. I still think Dan is amazing talent, and I, I really thought that this is cool and you know sort of quirky. Uh, but nobody got it, you know, yeah. I, I, and you know, I, I, we get it. We get it. Yeah. In Maine. <laughs> and I get it too. I, I just don't understand why people don't understand that. How does this guy produce a quality TV show in, in Bangor, Maine, getting these people, you know, to come on, but you know, you're relentless, which is what makes it work. You find people and you get them to do, it. well, who was the coolest guest that you got? I mean, you got Kermit the Frog, didn't you?
3: No, we had uh, the count from Sesame. The Street, count that was, it. was kind of fun. I yeah, get those guys mixed up. It's, it's, it's hard to say who the coolest is because, because you have
0: two of them right here. <laughs> two of them are right here. I can't, stray.
3: of course. Uh, but we've we've just been very fortunate to have people like yourself and and you, Rich, who have come back to our show several times. And uh, it's what was just, the hardest
2: get though? What was the hardest one to?
3: Uh, Uh, Gosh, the hardest get, I would say, is Your dad, right? My dad was a (laughs) tough one, yeah. No, I'd say Paula Cole. We had to go back to her several times until she finally agreed to do the show. We did it in Westbrook, and uh, now we're talking about having her back because she had such a great time. I believe because she had such a great time doing the show. Yeah, after you do it, you want to do it again. Yeah, because I think people have visions of, like, Wayne's World and, you know, maybe (laughs) one camera, and perhaps this is on public access. They don't read the whole email because it's a bit wordy. Um, but then they come and do the show, and they say, oh, yeah, this actually is something like a late-night talk show, and then they they might like to come back. So, you know, through Dan's friendship,
2: he's been kind enough to say, you know, when you go into these various cities, uh, you're fighting, you know, a million other uh, things going on at the same time, so you want people to know that we're at this theater, and it's December 8th, and it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and Dan said, hey... We can do radio, we can shoot promos, we can do all, all sorts of stuff. So I said, hey, I'm on the East Coast, let's uh, come up and do it. So yeah. uh, we're just
3: having fun. Doing a little skit for your show as oh, well. Yeah. Can we say that? Is that what right? Sure, now? sure. Yeah, that'll be uh, running sometime, I don't know, I think in November. Okay. So look for that. There, there cool.
0: we go. Yep. And, and you know, Mark, and, and we get this from Dan as well, you've done so many things through your career, but the name of the game is, and, and what's made you successful, and I think what makes Dan successful is you're yourself. Uh, who you are on television is who you are in person. And I think in, in that medium especially, people can tell. People can see that sincerity. And when that comes through, that leads to a terrific career. Well, I always think you're not special because you're on TV.
2: You know, it just, it, it's a cool job, and I always <laughs> wanted to do it and had a passion for it. And I was lucky enough to pull it off. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do most of what I've done my entire career for free because it's just so darn much fun. Um, And I I feel bad for people who get up every day and hate their job. I mean, I can't imagine uh, doing that. So, um, you know, I feel honored that people have followed me for almost 40 years now, which is frightening. Um, And I love the stories, and I love the people who come to these theaters. We've been doing, uh, I've done up to this point, 60 cities. Uh, We've played all the Fox theaters. We've played the one in Atlanta, played the one in Detroit. Um, And they're beautiful, 3,500 seats. I don't know how many people uh, this these at least five thousand, five six. 5, 6 5, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, you hope to fill it up, or at least uh, half of uh, that. But you know, it's December. It's uh, near Christmas. It's a good family time. Uh, you know, you can celebrate the, the holiday season together a little early. So uh, you know, we hope people come out and join us and participate and
0: have fun. December eighth, Cross Insurance Center in Bangor, Double Dare Live. Mark, thank you so much for stopping by to visit with us. Thank you very much, and Dan, thank you. Oh, thank you, and Dan. Thank you. I'm happy. I'm just happy to exist. <laughs> Mark Summers with sidekick Danny Cashman talking about Double Dare Live. Check and see if it's coming to your town or city this fall and early winter. Should be a heck of a good time right there. Our thanks to Mark, Danny, and also to Donnie Most. And thanks to you for joining us on this week's podcast. We'll see you next time on Downtown, brought to you by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength.